Now, at the beginning of every year, we actually invite our church community into a broader initiative. And one of those initiatives is actually 21 days of praying and fasting. And so you've probably received correspondence about it. So over the past few weeks, you've been uh, being invited. What does it look like to pray and to fast together over 21 days? And so we actually, um, we have over 100 people signed up for it. Um, it's really a time for us to center our lives. Now, some people are fasting a food fast. Some people are doing a Daniel fast. Some people are doing different kinds of fasts. Um, I know that I'm fasting from social media. My wife is fasting from uh, meat. My kids, they're fasting from uh, dessert. <laughs> Good luck. And uh, so, and again, for us, as we've talked about as a family, what does it look like for us to center ourselves in God, especially in this new year? And so um, corresponding to this fast, we're actually doing a sermon series called The School of Prayer. Now, The School of Prayer, and you're probably wondering, well, what did that passage have to do with prayer? The School of Prayer, we're actually looking at examples of Jesus praying. So not necessarily uh, stories of Jesus instructing people how to pray, but instead, how does Jesus approach prayer? And so there's this passage, right, where Jesus, at the end, where he's about to heal Lazarus, um, he actually offers up this prayer. Now, check this out. This is what the prayer looks like. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha. Now, again, if you were following along with the story, Lazarus has died. He's in a tomb. Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Jesus said this, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory? of God. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, now here's the prayer that we're going to focus on. And you might be wondering, well, if this was the short prayer, why did we read such a long passage? You'll, You'll see in a moment, right? Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Can I hear you say, hear me? That's right. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. In other words, Jesus wants the people standing here to know that God the Father hears Jesus as he prays that they may believe that you sent me. Uh, Today, we're going to focus on this idea of God actually hearing us. What does that mean for us? Now, here's the thing. There's actually a term that's been popularized um, by different spiritual writers, and uh, the term is actually called functional atheism. Now, functional atheism, basically, this is what it means. It means that despite whatever background or religious persuasion you might come from or irreligious persuasion you might come from, the reality is most of us, especially in the West, we're so informed by our own minds and technology that most of us, when it comes down to it, uh, even though we might you know, say that of ourselves that we're, we're Christians or we're religious in some different ways, we're actually, most of us are functional atheists. If you can even imagine over the last few weeks, the holidays, during Christmas and New Year's, the way that we approached it, if someone, if an alien from outer space were to come and just observe your life and observe mine, what the reality is, would that person be able to look at us and be able to say like, oh, that person, they believe in this higher power and they, they center their lives around this higher power? Or is the reality is most of these aliens would look at us and basically say like, oh, that's a functional atheist. <laughs> if they spoke English, and really kind of work with me for a moment with this illustration, right? But most of us, the reality is we're functional atheists. The way that we go about our lives, the way that we spend our time, the way that we spend our energy, the way that we spend our money, when it comes down to it, most of us are functional atheists. Now, the biggest revelation of whether we're not functional atheists is likely how often and how much we lean into this thing called prayer. Because here's what prayer is. Prayer is this constant communion and connection to the living God. We believe that God is the one who governs all. We believe that God is a God who actually hears us. So in many ways, a measurement of whether or not we're functional atheists or whether we're people that really do believe in God is whether or not 
we pray and how often we pray and how earnestly we might pray. Now here, what's been revealed to us is the way that Jesus prays to God the Father. He prays about who God, who, a God who actually hears him. Now that is stunning and significant. That God who created the world, God who is transcendent and overall, that this God actually hears us. But here's what's so stunning, is the earliest church believed that. They believed that God is actually a God who hears us. Check out this passage from 1 John chapter 5. Look at what it says. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, that when we come to him, he hears us. The word is akuo. We get words like acoustic from it. This is a God who hears us. It's the same word that Jesus uses when he says, God, you have heard me and you hear me. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. The earliest Christians believed, now this is stunning, the earliest Christians believed that the God who created the world, the God who parted the Red Sea, the God of the universe, was a God who actually listens to us, who hears us. Now that is stunning. Uh, And it's stunning because uh, have you ever been in a relationship with someone and feels like you're not hearing each other? Um, raise your hand if you... Actually, don't do that, because you might be s- sitting next to the person. <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about, the right to, to actually hear someone, like to listen to someone. It, it's, it's like feeling loved by them and accepted and truly known. Uh, my son, who's 10 years old, and he's entering into kind of pre-teendom right now, and um, one of the things that he loves to talk about is Pokemon. And the thing is, like, for whatever reason, I cannot remember any Pokemon other than Pikachu and Psyduck. Like, that's just it for me. I can't remember any of the other characters. It's just so difficult. And so, like, I'll do my best to try to be present with my son and to listen to him. And, um, gosh, I would probably say it was about a year ago where he, like, there was this moment when I was listening to him and, you know, asking him about Pokemon. He's going on about it and stuff. And, and he starts talking about something. And, and so all of a sudden, my mind starts to wander. Uh, I know some of you parents never do this to your kids. But I know for me, I was just like, my mind started to wander. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then uh, he says to me, he, he goes, he goes, oh, just forget it. You're not listening. I know. I know. What an awful father, right? And so all of a sudden, I was just like, oh, no, no, no I, was, I was listening. He goes, what did I say? <laughs> uh, something, something about something about Psyduck? <laughs> He's just like, forget it. Oh. Right? Like, I just, oh. Like, now that was the only time he's ever said, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there have been other times, right? Because as an imperfect father and as an imperfect human being, like, sometimes, even though as much as I might try, like, I, I just don't hear that well. But have you ever been in a relationship with someone where you're trying to talk to that person, but they're not really listening I mean, here's what's so stunning about this, this revelation of God is that Jesus actually reveals God the Father as someone who hears us, who listens to us. Henry Nouwen has this quote about listening and being present to and hearing. Check this out. He says, from experience, you know that those who care for you become present to you. When they listen, they listen to you. When they speak, you know they speak to you. And when they ask questions, you know it is for your sake and not their own. Their presence is a healing presence. Because they accept you on your terms and they encourage you to take your own life seriously. I mean, isn't it true that most of us, when, when it comes down to hearing and listening, we feel loved, we feel accepted, we feel close. 
That's what Jesus is revealing about who God is when we pray to him. And the earliest Christians believed that about God. Not that God was just some distant figure, some invisible, distant figure, but that actually God is close and that he hears us. He akuo us. Now, here's the thing. Some of you might be wondering, and some of you probably, when it comes down to why are we mostly functional atheists, I'll be honest for myself. One of the reasons why is because I truly, at the end of the day, I don't know if I do believe that God hears me. Because I've been in situations where I've, I've given prayers or I've beseeched God for something, and somehow it's felt like God has been absent or away or doing something else. Or the prayers that I offer just aren't meaningful enough as those other people. And so as a result, I'd rather just live as a functional atheist. Now, remember I mentioned, like, why in the world did we read that whole passage about here just for that little prayer? Well, because what's fascinating about this story that we find in John chapter 11 is there's actually a bunch of moments where this word akua or hearing or heard is used. Now, Now, check out how the beginning of chapter 11 starts. When we start this story of Lazarus, look at what it says. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick, so the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. I love how direct they are with that, or indirect, I should say. The one you love, right? This is someone that you care about. That person is sick. In other words, Jesus, we know you. We're friends with you. We love you. You're a God who responds. You're a Jesus who we know, who we cherish, and we know that you cherish and love us, and you cherish and love Lazarus. Now, look at what happens. When he heard this, there's that word, akuo. Look at what happens. Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. In other words, Jesus knows what's about to go down. He knows he's going to heal Lazarus. Now, look at what it says. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick... He snapped his fingers and brought Lazarus back to life. He, he sent word back to Mary and Martha saying, don't worry, I got this. I'm Jesus. J-E-S-U-S. I got this. No. He stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Oh my goodness, what is going on? Have you ever been there before where you feel like you've offered up a prayer, you've been longing for God to intervene? And it just feels like Jesus is just waiting around for a couple more days. Maybe it's been a couple more years. Maybe you've been praying that God would bring healing to your mom or your dad. You've been wondering whether God would bring deliverance to your own loneliness or depression. Maybe you've just been waiting for God and you've been asking God, do you really hear me and listen? Are you listening when I'm longing for you to come through? It just seems like Jesus is just like, oh yeah, don't worry. Sickness will not end in death. Meanwhile, Lazarus ends up dying. I mean, isn't that stunning? See, this idea of hearing, actually, it keeps coming up in chapter 11. 
And Jesus heard this, and after he heard this, he does nothing. And sometimes that's what it feels like with God, where there's this in-between. You ever been there? Where it felt like, gosh, you're, yes, I'm, I'm struggling, because on one hand, there's this belief that you are, that you do hear me, but on another hand, it feels like you're doing nothing. Now, this hearing continues. Check this out. Look what happens. John chapter 11, verse 20. Martha heard. It's amazing how often this hearing is going on in chapter 11. Martha heard that Jesus was coming. She went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Martha had said this. She went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, there it is again. There's constantly this hearing of what's going on, but there's nothing that's done. It's just Lazarus is laying in a tomb. She got up quickly and went to him. Remember, there's this moment, right, where Jesus, he's finally saying, he gives this prayer about a God who hears. But there's this in-between season where it feels like God is doing nothing. Look at how the story progresses. Look at what it says. When Jesus saw her weeping, this is Mary, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked Come and see, Lord, they replied. And look at what Jesus does. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Now, listen, as a New Yorker, honestly, I look at this story and I'm like, this is all so unnecessary. Like, why isn't Jesus just more efficient with his time? Like, he heard from the beginning of chapter 11. He doesn't have to wait two days. In fact, it's been four days since he got word and Lazarus has been in the tomb. Like right when he got the word, he should have just healed him right there. He could have just spoken it out. He could have just blinked and immediately it happened. This is what we believe about how, how powerful God is. It is so inefficient of Jesus. What, what's with all of this? stuff? Even in this moment, people are weeping around him. I mean, Jesus could have just put an end to it and be like, guys, don't cry. Jesus, J-E-S-U-S. Lazarus, come forth. See, I told you guys, like we're good. But he weeps. Now, theologians have wrestled with this verse countless times. Why does he weep? He knows he's going to heal him. Why does he weep? Why? That's because as he's with the people and everyone's there, it reveals to us that he's a God who actually feels He's present with us. Yes, God is going to heal and bring forth Lazarus. But more importantly, God demonstrates that God is a God who actually feels every range of emotion that you and I are going through. That even in the midst where it feels like he's not breaking through, that he's not intervening even though he can, he's a God who shows that he feels He feels all that we're experiencing. He feels all of the longing, the pain, the sorrow, the sadness, the hopefulness, the yearning. He's a God who feels. Now, do you see how feeling, though, is tied to hearing? Uh, One of my friends, him and his wife, one of the things he told me that his wife often says to him is this. Her name is Liz Cologne. And one of the things that she says is, you hear me, but you don't feel me. Can I hear all the spouses say amen? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
You hear me, but you don't feel me. You know, we, in emotional healthy relationships, we actually have one of the weeks is called incarnational listening. And it, it's about having as a listener, it's about letting go of my agenda and it's about listening to the speaker. And the goal we often tell the listener is the goal is not so you have a, a good retort and comeback coming, right? No, that's not it. The goal is to be fully present with the other person so that the other person feels felt. Person feels felt that I've given up my agenda of what we're doing or saying or talking about, but instead my goal as a listener is so that the other person feels felt. I mean, isn't that the gift of listening, though, of truly being present with another person? Some of us, that's what we do. We can hear people, but we don't necessarily feel them. But have you ever had the experience of actually being felt by someone? Understood. And here, what's so startling is that, and stunning is that Jesus actually comes and he, he's a God who feels and he weeps even though he doesn't have to. He's a God who's with us, Emmanuel. See, but that's not the end of the story. Look at what happens. Um, check this out. He says, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus, now finally we get to the prayer, right? Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me after all this hearing where it seems like God is not intervening. Actually, God, you are the one who hears. You've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me, that you're a God who hears, God who listens. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. What a stunning moment. See, God is a God who hears, but he's also, uh, God is a God who feels, but he's also a God who hears. And his, the breakthrough does come for Lazarus. And that's what's so stunning, is that Jesus, not only does he feel, but he also gives the breakthrough. Now, here's what's, what's uh, like about this story, though, and I get it, sophisticated New Yorkers, you all, you all are, like most of you are probably looking at this, like amazing God, he's going to break through, he's going to come through for you, he listens to your prayers, will you offer your prayer in faith and believe that he hears, but most of us, I mean, some of us more cynical types, in other words, you all, uh, might say something like, well, what if that breakthrough never comes for me? What if I've been praying for God, believing, hoping that he would hear, that he would change the circumstance? And honestly, healing never came. Breakthrough never came. I experienced extreme betrayal from this community, extreme hurt. And healing wasn't around the corner. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever felt that? Maybe even today, that's been kind of the unspoken thing that's kind of floating in the air right now. Yes, we can talk all day long about how God who hears us, and yet our experience has been so different. I felt like, yeah, God, you do, you come through for people like Lazarus and Jesus, but you don't come through for someone like me. Well, what if I were to tell you? Now, I realize this might be me 
bringing in kind of a curveball into the story that you didn't expect. But what if I told you that even though Lazarus came forth from the grave, right? He's alive now. Jesus has healed him, brought him, takes off, you know, unwraps the linen. It's this amazing, stunning miracle. But what if I told you that Lazarus would die again one day? I mean, history tells us that Lazarus doesn't go on living forever. So I know the cynical New Yorker in me is kind of like, so what, Jesus? He's going to die again. Big deal. Good miracle. Good job. He's going to die again. And maybe that's where you are with your faith. Maybe you're in a position, too, where you're just like, okay, God, I see. Yeah, breakthrough comes once in a while, but it doesn't fully come. Why are you trustworthy? Why can I believe that you truly hear us? Now, here's what's amazing in the Gospel of John and throughout the scriptures is that this idea of a God who hears and this word of hearing is constantly found throughout the scriptures. In fact, look at what Jesus actually says in John chapter 10. So preceding this story, look at what it says, John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus talking. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And look at what he says. And I lay down my life for my sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will, oh, there's that word. They will hear my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. My sheep, they hear to my voice. I know them and they follow me. See, there's this dynamic of hearing that's constantly there. And one of the things that Jesus is revealing is that his heart for his sheep. See, it's not only does God hear us, but first, have you heard him? Heard him how? Heard him to be the one who lays down his life for his sheep. Whatever you might believe about who God is, especially when you're in this in-between waiting season, you've been praying earnestly, you've been wondering whether God would hear you. And in this moment, maybe one of the reasons why we don't believe he hears us is because we haven't heard him. We haven't heard him and believed him to be the God who he says he is, the God who would lay down his life for his sheep, the God who who would lay down his life for you and for me. And see, the earliest Christians believed this about Jesus and about God, and that's why they could pray with confidence that he does hear us. Why? Because Jesus would constantly talk about sheep being able to hear him. Not a bad shepherd, but a good one. And if, if we can actually begin to entrust our lives to this shepherd, to this God, to hear him, as a good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep, then maybe we can finally begin to believe that he truly is the God who hears us. We can continue to pray with confidence that he hears us. And even when it feels like breakthrough is not coming, we can trust that Jesus, he has laid down his life. And if he's laid down his life, then every need, every yearning, every longing, every, every prayer that we offered him, asking for God to intervene, makes every difference in the world.